Good morning. Good morning. I am Afua. And so you probably thought Grandma's going to be the one to come up here and talk about redeeming the passive man. But as Greg and I were talking through the week, we were like, you know what? This is something that I've experienced and seen things in Greg that I want to share with all of you. And it has to do with what's so good about the passive man? Like, what is redeeming in that quality? So that's what I'm here to talk about. So a couple weeks ago, Greg uh, told us that the sin of the passive man is selfishness. Two is just sitting there, doing his thing, thinking only of himself. And I kind of uh, put it into an equation that passiveness equals defensive detachment. Like, well, you're so mean to me, I'm just going to go do my thing. But it's very defensive because you're trying to protect yourself. Um, and passive, passive is actually accepting whatever comes your way without saying anything or objecting. In some ways, it is submitting to what's happening to you, but it's really existing without any effort. Okay? Without any effort. And you're defensive when you respond to them in a way that protects yourself, and then you just de detach by disconnecting emotionally. And even practically, so that you don't have anything to do, any involvement with your family or your wife. So that's what we learned about passiveness. Now, wives and girlfriends, you're probably thinking when you experience this passiveness from your partner that, man, he brings nothing to this relationship. Why am I putting up with this, right? He brings nothing to the relationship. But just in case, there might be something else going on for your husband or boyfriend. Let's take a look. I distinctly remember the day that I discovered Greg's real strength and the greatest contribution, or one of the greatest contributions that Greg brought to our marriage. Um, it was probably about 12 years into our marriage. <clears throat> At that time, I had already said to God, God, you know, change me. I'm not going to try to change Greg anymore. But that's a long process of change. And during that time, I was still feeling really critical of Greg. And I um, was still really dissatisfied with our marriage because I haven't changed all that much yet. And Greg and I were talking. We were disagreeing about something. And I just turned to him and I said, Greg, you would be happier with someone else who is more like you. And then, I, then it was dead silence. Now, I had said those same words quite a few times in the past to Greg. I had thought them probably hundreds of times, but I, I dared to say it out loud many times. And when I said it, Greg would always say to me, oh honey, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. And we'll figure out how to get along. But this time he didn't say that. He was silent and I could tell he was really hurt and he was struggling to stay calm. And then he turned to me and he looked me in the eyes and he said, well, what you really are trying to say is that you 
would be happier with someone else. And I didn't know what to say because he had caught me. He had known all along that that's what I really meant. And that every time I complained about how different we were, I was actually complaining about him and how he wasn't more like me. And I was scared. I didn't know what to do. And then he asked me, point blank, do you want me to give up? Do you want me to say to you, go ahead? I'm, I, I'm going to release you. And I was scared because I did not want him to give up on us. All the times that I wanted to give up on us, I knew that he wasn't, Craig wasn't going to give up on us. He would still fight for us, even if I poked him and prodded him and provoked him. But this time he called my bluff. And it was a moment of truth. And that day God revealed to me, he opened my eyes to see that I was unstable. That my emotions were up and down. And when I felt close to Greg, I just wanted him by me all the time. And when I didn't like him, I cut him off and I didn't want him near me. And I was like a roller coaster with my emotions. But Greg was steady all the way through. And Greg was the one who saved our marriage. Greg was the one who brought stability to our marriage when I wanted to give up, when I wasn't um, feeling committed to him or the marriage anymore. And that's ironic, because even at that time, I was the one who was reading all the relationship books and how to have a healthy marriage. And in fact, I was in the middle of training to become a marriage and family therapist. And everyone, including me and Greg, thought that I was more spiritually mature than he was. And it was I, instead, who was on the roller coaster ride. It was I who was being unstable and unfaithful to our commitment. Um, it was I who was tearing our marriage down. Meanwhile, it was Greg who was quietly but definitely strong, and he didn't take my bait. He didn't rise to the occasion and fight back. It was Greg who was patiently remaining faithful to his promise when he said to God and in front of all our family and friends, I will have you and hold you for better or for worse. This was definitely worse. And it was Greg who was not giving up on me, and he was the one who was not giving up on us. So as a woman who's, who is strong-willed, and that strong-willed piece of me had not yet been redeemed at that time, I did not know the value of my husband. I really thought he was passive, when in reality he was being patient, and he was being steady, and holding our marriage together. And since then, I have seen in my own marriage and in countless couples that I counsel that it usually is the man who doesn't give up. Because the moment he says, okay, fine, we're done, then, then they're done. And I believe
believe that God has created and wired men uniquely to bring security and stability and steadiness to the relationship and to the marriage. Because, as I said earlier, when you talk about how you're feeling, women, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I say it's from day to day, but it could be hour to hour, <laughs> you know, that I change how I feel about him. But men, you don't let your feelings get in the way of your commitment. And you're steady. And we need that. What would happen if both of you were on a roller coaster ride and suddenly both of you were at the bottom and you're like, I hate this marriage, things are too hard. If both of you got there, you'd probably look at each other and say, okay, let's go. Let's leave, right? But if one of you is down and one of you is steady, the other can say, no. This is going to pass. Hang in it. Because tomorrow, it's going to be okay. So we need that. We need someone to be stable. And men tend to be more emotionally stable, which is a very important strength. Um, this word stable, um, I've tried to find a word that would describe what is the opposite of passive, right? And I think steady and steadfast. Steady has this idea that um, it, on the outside it could look like you're not doing anything. But you know that on the inside, you're holding together and you're steady. So to be steady is to be calm, to be constant, to not change in your feelings, in your principles, your purpose, or your attachments or feelings. There is a term in the Bible that's really close to steady, and it's this word steadfast. And I really like that, to be steadfast. To be steadfast is to be dutifully firm and unwavering. It is loyalty in the face of trouble and difficulty. It is committed, devoted dedication no matter what. That is what it means to be steadfast. And here's a definition from the Holman Bible Dictionary. It says that a steadfast person is one who is reliable, faithful, and true to the end. In various translations of in the Bible, the word steadfast or things that are similar to steadfast have been translated um, perseverance, patience, endurance, and standing firm. And men, I believe that that's what God has wired you to bring into the relationship. Oftentimes, the word steadfast is used to describe God and His steadfast, His unending love for us and for His people. In Lamentations 3, verse 22 to 23, this is what it says. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's the sense of steadfastness. No matter what I do, no matter how, if I keep my end of the bargain, God is steadfast and His love doesn't change and He remains faithful. So, men, okay, don't raise your hand, okay, because I don't want you to get in trouble. But be honest here. How many of you have thought to yourself, 
Oh my goodness, I have to put up with so much from my wife. And how many of you see yourselves as pretty loyal to your wife and the marriage, even in the face of all that trouble and difficulty? In other words, how many of you see yourself as, I'm pretty steadfast, and I've been really patient. In fact, I don't know if another man could be as patient as I have been with my wife or my partner or my girlfriend, right? So, you might think you're being patient. I would challenge you, are you being passive or are you being steady? Now, what's the difference? Again, earlier we said that passiveness is when you defensively detach and you turn away from your partner, okay? Because you want to protect yourself. But steadiness, steadiness is when you are patiently engaged with your partner, your wife or your girlfriend. So instead of turning away, you turn towards her and you engage her, but in a patient, gentle way. Okay. So, I believe that even if you are a passive man, you're already 80% of the way to being steady. Because you have hung in there all this time, because you have not given up. You're determined to make this last. So previously you were passive and turned away, hoping that the marriage would just hang in there. Now, hang in there and turn towards her. Engage her patiently because you are uniquely wired and created by God to bring steadfastness or steadiness to your marriage or your dating relationship. So what does it mean to redeem passiveness? This word redeem that we use. Redeem means to, to purchase or to buy it back and to make it something better and different. So it's not to just throw it away, but to actually take it and make it better, to save it. So how do we redeem passiveness? How do we do that? So earlier we read a passage of Lamentations about God's steadfastness and His love for us. In 1 Corinthians 15.58, we're going to talk about what it means for us to be steadfast, for believers of Jesus Christ to be steadfast. So Paul in this letter, he's writing to the Corinthians, and he's telling them that there, was, there were controversies and people were teaching them many false things, and Paul's writing to tell them, Hey, there really is life after death. There really is a resurrection that we're going to have someday. And so in verse 58 he says, Therefore, meaning because that is really true, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Okay, so normally, I don't like to take a verse out of context, because Paul here is talking about how believers have to stay steadfast, which means holding strong and being committed to the Word of God and believing the truth. 
And that's what he's talking about here. But I hope you will give me some license to apply it to our men, to our husbands and boyfriends, and to you single men who are learning how to be steadfast. That we can apply it. There are lots of principles that we can take from this passage to help us better understand and appreciate what steadfastness can look like in marriage. So, um, writer Charles Ebert Orr, in his book, How to Live a Holy Life, explains this particular verse, 1 Corinthians 15:58, by saying this. A man can have no true steadfastness who is influenced by his emotions or impressions. The man who is steadfast, unmovable in the word, goes forward to discharge all of his known duties, no matter what his feelings may be. So basically, uh, Paul and Orr are saying that to be steadfast, you cannot rely on your feelings. You can't even rely on what your eyes see. You have to rely on what you know is true. Okay. So how do we do that in marriage? How are the men who we currently see as passive, how can we turn that passiveness into steadfastness? So interestingly enough, this word steadfast that Paul uses here has been translated to, into words like stand firm. But it actually has this idea in the, in the Greek of sitting, like Tu is doing here. Steadfast is to sit firmly and not be afraid that your chair is going to fall apart. It's that idea. So, yes, be steadfast. Sit. Uh, put the phone and the tablet down. Okay, so the steadfastness means unwavering in your attitude of loyalty despite your emotions. Don't let your emotions influence what you're going to do. And then to make it even firmer, Paul said, be steadfast, be immovable. Okay, so he, he says it in a different way. He says, okay, you've got to be unshakable in your faith. You have to be stable and firm. And that has the idea of if somebody tries to push you, that you're not going to move. You're going to stay where you committed and dedicated yourself. And then he says, what we also need to do is to always abound in the work of the Lord. Okay, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The phrase here means you don't just engage your wife, but you got to do it in a way where you are exuberant about it, energetic, and diligent. And that does, that's like the opposite of passive. Passive is you sit and wait and see what she's going to do to you. But abounding good works is where you're the one who is constantly, diligently, and energetically giving to the relationship. And then Paul says, do this all the time. Always, he says. Not just when you feel like it, not just when she's good back to you, 
But you do this all the time, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And in the, the work of the Lord here, when Paul was talking about, it was everything that God has told you to do that would bring Him glory and that would love other people. And so that's the work of the Lord that God has put on you. And for husbands, that is in the way that you relate to your wife. And he says, by the way, what you're doing, it's not in vain. Okay? In vain means, or not in vain means that it, this is not useless. This is very effective. Okay, In case you're wondering if being steadfast and being patient and loving your wife or your girlfriend, even when she's being controlling and nagging and even manipulative and mean to you, you know that God is going to reward you. So, men, in case you're still wondering, I don't know if it's worth it. I would rather just be passive and not get hurt than be patient and engage my wife or my partner, my girlfriend. And so, I want to read another verse that Paul wrote as well in Galatians 6, verse 7 and 9. And he knew he knew that it is hard to do the right thing when around you, you know, you're, you're being oppressed or when the other person is not being nice and cooperative. When you're not receiving that love, it can be hard. So in Galatians 6, verse 7 through 9, Paul says this. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, which was being passive, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit of God, those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. And at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith, and I might add, especially to your own family and to your, to your wife. So Paul here is saying, I get it. It's hard to do the right thing. It's hard, it's easier to be passive, and it's harder to be patiently engaged with your, with your wife, to be steady in this relationship. But he says, don't be afraid to do the right thing. Don't believe the lie that nice guys who patiently care for their wives will finish last. Don't believe that. Don't get tired of doing what is good. Take every opportunity, which means, again, always, all the time, anytime you have the chance, take that opportunity to do good. And even when it gets hard, don't give up. Don't stop. Because your wife needs you to be steady. Because she's already given up. And you can't. Because there's going to be lots of blessing that comes from it. 
He's saying when you do good and you sacrifice and you're patient, you're loving, you're pouring into her, Paul says just at the right time, it's probably the time when you're like, I can't take it anymore, God, help me, that you will reap a reward. God is not unjust. He is not mean. He is not unfair. He will give you what you have given to others, what you deserve. Okay. So, the redeemed passive man is one who is not afraid to do good. He is not tired of doing good. And he is willing to do his part in the marriage so that the relationship is strong and secure. He sacrificially and selflessly does good and gives to his wife what she needs and he willingly hangs on so that the relationship can remain strong. So, men, while the culture tells you that you are weak if you cater to your wife's desires, that you're weak if you're patient with her and you forgive her for her sins, while the culture tells you that to give sacrificially and selflessly means that you're going to you're going to miss out. You're going to lose. Don't believe that lie. Your strength in this relationship is that you are steady. That you remain strong and committed to her and to the relationship. And that is not weak or passive. But that is strong and responsible. Uh, there's a pastor, professor, and writer named Douglas Wilson, and he has this quote, and I think on the slide I have the wrong name on it, but it's Douglas Wilson, and this is how he defines what it means to be masculine, what it means to be manly. He says, masculinity is the glad or happy assumption of sacrificial responsibility. Let me say that again. Masculinity is the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. That means that you happily take up the responsibilities that require you to sacrifice. And we don't have time here to discuss what all those responsibilities are. But certainly, at the core of sacrificial responsibility, is to love your wife, no matter what she is like, no matter how self-willed and strong-willed and fierce and unredeemed that part of her is, that you are to love her. And there's no better picture of what it means to be steady for your wife than 1 Corinthians 13. And you've probably heard these verses spoken at weddings. You know, some of you might have even heard people say, you know, instead of the word love, you should put God in there. Well, I'm going to tell you, instead of the passive man, we're going to put the, study, the steady man instead of the word love here. Now, let me read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8 to you. Paul tells us, um, before he writes 
the chapter 13, chapter 12 talks about how everybody in the church, they're trying to figure out who's better than the other person. And people are like, well, I have this gift. I can speak in tongues. And somebody's like, well, I can preach. And someone else is like, well, um, I can pray for people and they get healed. And everybody was trying to think who was better and which gift was better. And Paul said, no, 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 you all have it wrong. Because even if you could do all that, if you don't love, all of that is worthless. Worthless without love. And then he says, this is what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always holds, always perseveres. The strong-willed woman thinks she needs a strong man who will fight with her and stand up to her and not be sitting down. But what she really needs is a strong man who is steady and who is not going to be provoked by the things that she says and does to him. Because the steadfast man is the personification of love in his strong-willed wife's life. The strong, the, the strong and steady, steadfast man, he is patient when his wife is unreasonably demanding. He is kind regardless of her words and actions toward him. He does not envy when she is reaching her goals. He does not boast and he is not proud when he makes all these sacrifices. He does not dishonor her by telling other people about her weaknesses. He is not self-seeking, but puts her needs ahead of his own. He is not easily angered, but he listens with understanding. He keeps no record of her wrongs, and believe me, there are many. He does not delight in evil, but speaks the truth in love to his wife when she needs it. He always protects her and their relationship, and he stands up for her. He always trusts her and believes the very best about her. He always hopes, believing that God will bring them through the tough times. He always perseveres. He is steady seated in his belief in God and in the marriage. He perseveres even when the relationship is difficult and he feels rejected by her and when he's tired of trying. Men of God, I want to affirm you for this God-given steadiness that you bring to your marriage, to your relationships. You are able to sacrificially love a strong-willed women who find it really hard to remember that we love you. You are able to do this. Your love never fails. 
I want to thank you, redeemed men, for sitting in God and sitting steadfast in your commitment to your wife and to your relationship. And I would encourage you, strong-willed women, to take a second look at your passive husband or boyfriend and see the strength that he brings. That maybe the relationship is still here because he was being steadfast and all the time you thought he was passive. So take some time today to, to thank the man who sits next to you or the brothers in your life or the boyfriend who you're going to call up and say, hey, thanks for being steadfast. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you that you have wired and given to the men in our lives the ability to stay steady and not be influenced by their emotions. Lord, that has given stability to our relationships. That has given us women something to hang on to when we feel like we're going to give up. That they still hang in there and they don't give up on us. So Lord, thank you for steadfastness in men. Thank you that that's the gift you give to relationships. May we honor our husbands and may we appreciate them as they deserve. And may you, God, bless them abundantly. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand up and worship.